1: I'm in love with
2: Welcome back to Open the Voice Gate for July 19th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. If you'd like to donate to the show, just click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our RedCircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time, or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but we would like to thank all of our previous donors. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal Mike Spears, joined alongside another one of your hosts, Case Slow. In case we just almost started the show off air, so should we just get right into it, man?
0: I was going to uh, do some bumper topics of the okay. MLB, uh, of the MLB All Star Game. Just wanted oh, a quick oh, vibe I, check I actually... on the MLB All Star Game.
2: I actually have, like, because a big thing happened in my life happened around the MLB All-Star game this
0: weekend. Is it going to be traumatic? Do I want to ask what this was? Well, it's traumatic for me, Case. You, 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 you might not care. Oh, okay, well, uh,
2: try me. Well, the MLB All-Star game on Sunday was the last public appearance together as a group of Kid Mero and Deezus Nice. As as Desis and Mero.
0: You know they've never they've never grabbed me. Um, I oh, I like, think they're
2: brilliant. I think that they were the best talk show since Dave Letterman's been off. TV.
0: I strongly disagree with that. I I loved even late stage half hour one guest Conan. I thought Conan was funny up until the very end. I enjoyed the. I, they once did a, a segment where they walked around Brooklyn with AOC, and I liked that. I thought they were very funny there, and she, of course, came across very well. But as entities. They have never fully grabbed me in the way that I would hope. I have wanted to like them more than I actually like them.
2: And, and, and you know, I feel like that it, it's something with Disa Samero. And I mean, like eight year run that they pretty much had when you combine like podcasts and all the different shows with the two of them. And the thing that really like kind of reached out about about me was they did an interview with David Letterman, like the like, like on the street stuff, like the AOC thing you were talking about, there was. Uh, taking Anna Kendrick to get her first ever pair of Timberlakes that was a big Timberlakes like, um, or Timberlens? Oh, I'm sorry Timberlens. I completely fucked that up I Mike Spear-
0: Mike Spears is so white anyways three go minutes, ahead
2: three minutes and then the show but like they did they, they their bread and butter really felt like it was the man on the street stuff but these interviews that they would have with David Letterman that they did an interview with Anderson Cooper and Andy Cohen, which was probably one of the, at least in my opinion, it, it is not like moth joke or norm on Conan O'Brien, but it was one of those things that captured a similar energy that we don't see a lot with, with uh, talk shows
0: nowadays. Perhaps I am expecting too much from journalism in 2022. I, I, I don't need to return to the days of Walter Cronkite, although that would be nice, but there is something about me that is so bothered by anderson cooper and by proxy andy cohen being absolutely blitzed on new year's eve on cnn every year i think that is so highly inappropriate and while i like anderson cooper and i think he's a a decent reporter all things considered it drives me insane that cnn lets them get wasted on the air i I
2: mean, show some goddamn decorum
0: that's all i it look there's a time to party and there's a time to report the news and if (laughs) i'm if i'm watching cnn i would like to hear the news and i mean to be completely honest cnn on new year's
2: eve just show like celebrations across the world we did not ever need to have a cnn uh new year's eve show to begin with so like they're already making like the the they they turned away from the light case and and each decision after that for cnn and new year's eve has been more and more deplorable like like, let's be honest
0: i think it's bizarre i you're exactly right i think it's bizarre that they have a new year's eve countdown show i think it's weird that they have respected important primetime journalists drinking on the air and again i know nothing matters in a post-truth society that we live in but it bothers me
2: and, and like just for like international viewers can get uh, or listeners can get a sense of this like no nationalized media in the united states so it's not like a thing where like bbc of course they're going to have like new year's eve countdowns because it's like the national broadcaster of great britain there's not that there so cnn first ever cable news station the fact like it, it, it was really i i want to say like 10 years ago really it, it was whenever they started getting don lemon drunk on new year's eve that was really like the the, the sign that like they were going to go completely away from the light at that point
0: now if judy woodruff on my local pbs affiliate wants to get hammered and broadcast herself on new year's eve that i would pay attention to she's the best Doesn't broadcaster Chicago- in the game
2: doesn't Chicago have like their local New Year's Eve celebration? Because you're not the only person who's talked about local Chicago news people on New Year's Eve to well, me throughout okay. my life. The,
0: the thing that I have discovered over the past few years of living in Chicago, so there's I, I'm a huge fan and I hopefully I can pad this as much as I can so it doesn't come across as super creepy, but there's a, a litany of incredibly beautiful meteorologists in this city and The fan favorite among locals is Cheryl Scott of ABC7. And what I have learned is that every year on New Year's Eve, Cheryl Scott will do a choreographed dance with a theme in the streets of Chicago, and it is batshit to watch unfold because it is just like it's chicago (laughs) like this is happening in chicago you know what happens in new year's (laughs) year we get a warning you you know what's
2: told you know what you know what we're we're, what we're told for new year's from our local
0: broadcasters i would imagine that they're uh saying be careful these are fireworks not guns hopefully oh well you're
2: close you're close it is well with fireworks and guns you know that a lot of people and animals don't like them and remember. What goes up must come down. We do believe in the laws of gravity.
0: <laughs> I don't like New Year's Eve. I try to have fun every year. I believe in the in the symbolism of the day. It never lives up to my expectations. And it's a drinker's holiday and I don't drink, so that's part of the issue. But it, it is I constantly dread it. I think it sucks as a day. In this past one, COVID was raging. And I spent my New Year's Eve alone in my apartment watching Zero One on Wrestle Universe, and I will not be doing that again. I could contract COVID days before New Year's Eve. I'm not staying in my apartment watching Zero One on New Year's Eve again. I I, I mean, there's a lot of choices that you made
2: that uh, this can begin. I'm going to use this again and just get this out of my system so that when we talk about important things, we don't have to worry about this. You turned away from the light and you started watching Zero One like to begin
0: i was being a responsible citizen and as i've learned is it
2: responsible to like?
0: that gets you nowhere in life being responsible is a waste of time again i'm not going to do it this year i'm not going to sit at home and watch a yuji okabayashi tag match with three other guys that aren't as talented as him i'm leaving my apartment this new year's eve coronavirus be damned
2: Okay, so I'm going to tell you what I did for New Year's Day because I didn't do anything New Year's Eve because New Year's Day had the big thing and you're going to get really mad. I I would love to hear it. it Tycho had a live stream of Sunrise set that they did with a light show.
0: It, Tycho, for those that don't know, is an instrumental band that I was forced to sit through as they opened for Interpol this past uh, spring. And it was one of the worst, possibly the worst live music experience I've ever had. And as I was sitting through what essentially added up to indie rock demos that I was forced to sit through for 50 minutes. I look on their Instagram just to make sure that none of my friends are fans of this band and who do I see following them, but none other than Mike Spears.
2: And I don't cover me. Mu- and like my Instagram is like wrestling and my friends. Like I don't cover like musical acts or stuff like this. Like when I got into keyboards for a while, there was a couple of keyboard Instagrams I would follow, but yeah. Keyboards like that's Well, we're, we're really bringing it like this. <laughs> this is the
0: bumper that you envision case. We we don't we don't have the time to discuss. What that was the most annoying sentence I've ever heard of that time when I was really into keyboards. That's a next week topic. We can cover that at a later date. We have so much important stuff to get to, but put a pin in when I was really into keyboards because, oh, my God, did that make my skin crawl?
2: <laughs> so case. The big topic in Dragon Gate, and we have to take this like first off here, is we've been discussing excursions ever since, uh, well, really since 2019 and 2020 with uh, Shun Skywalker and Yuki Yoshioka. The current batch right now, uh, Takuma Fujiwara and La Estrella have been in Mexico and wrestling a little bit in the States for La Estrella side for the better part of the last six weeks, but... More news has come out over the last week, and we have some news as well about, it's not 2006 all over again, but we are seeing a the second wave of a Dragon Gate invasion happening this summer in 2022 in North America.
0: Yeah, we haven't opened the VoiceGate exclusive. This is stuff that hasn't been reported anywhere yet. Dave mentioned in the most recent Wrestling Observer Newsletter, the July 18th, 2022 edition, that SB Kento would be leaving Japan and going to Mexico and America uh, at some point this summer into the early fall. And that was something that, that we had heard about. We actually learned about it as we were recording a few weeks ago, but the information that we had didn't totally line up. We didn't want to make that statement until we had more info. And over this past weekend, I had a U.S. indie promoter reach out to me, and he said that he was contacted by the Dragon Gate office, and these are the names, starting in September, that are available to book if you are a U.S. indie promoter. Obviously, La Estrella is going to be available. He's going to be based in Florida from August 6th through the 30th, and then Mexico City from September 1st onwards. SB Kento, like Dave said, is going to be based in Mexico City from September 1st through December 31st. And Shun Skywalker, a name that has not been reported anywhere, is being made available to U.S. indie promoters. He will be based in Mexico City from September 1st through October 31st. So
2: now we have up to four. Shun Skywalker is someone that we will get into in in, in a bit because I feel like it's a different kind of topic here. But SB Kento, as you mentioned, this was a name that it was actually during all the Nasawa's booking dragon gate thing that this also popped up at the same time. And we're like, Oh, we're going to file that back there. But the fact that we now have him at least through December 1st, like, I mean, I'm assuming like holidays and stuff like that, that they're going to probably then reassess from there. But SP Kento starting, because I remember originally hearing August for him. So the fact that he's already coming over is enormous. Uh, I I guess the, the one person's name that's not on that list that we need to talk about, Case, though, is Takuma Fujiwara.
0: Yeah, let's talk about Fujiwara briefly. I've reached out to people. Other people I know that have sources have reached out to people. Whenever the conversation turns to, can Takuma Fujiwara work in America or not, the conversation comes to a halt. There's almost a weird hushed silence over it. I don't think that's because there's any scandal. I don't think there's anything that's dramatic there. I just think it's the fact that Fujiwara is 20 years old and assuming, not knowing much about visas or how they work, but I am assuming that prevents him from working in America in any sort of safe and legal capacity. That is is my assumption. But given the list of names that I received and given the fact that Fujiwara is not on there, I would not count on him being in America, at least for the remainder of this year.
2: Yeah, so, okay, so I have, before we started recording, I was like, I have some theories about this, and you, you took the the first one right out of my mouth. Takuma Fujiwara is 20 years old and turned 20 in February. Up until then, he was technically considered a child by the Japanese government. You're, the age of, adult, of adulthood in Japan is considered to be 20 years old. I don't know necessarily 18 versus 21 for a U.S. visa, I mean... The most I've ever dealt with visas was when someone asked me, Mike, do you understand the visa process? And I went, no,
0: I don't. The the visa process for what specific countries are important to this story? Oh, oh, China. China. (laughs) China. (laughs) Mike Spears hit with the DM. Do you understand the visa process of Chinese people coming to America, which is hilarious in hindsight?
2: Yeah, yeah. So age could make this a lot can make this very difficult. Like I am not in the belief that there's anything malicious or some cloud hanging over Takuma Fujiwara. It's just something that you know, if you're 20, it's it might be more difficult to get a visa when you're 21 and then also case, okay, so, I mean, the fact that Dragon Gate and visa has been like a topic basically since 2019. I mean, if we really want to go back and rehash the end of dg usa 2014 i was gonna say
0: it's it's been a it's been an issue since really 2013 we covered that in the drangit usa rewind and rewatch series once we move past the wrestlemania weekend 2013 shows with gargano and shingo and shingo and tozawa that famed weekend really in many ways the high point of that promotion's existence once you get to the anniversary shows and beyond that final year every show was plagued with, well, we booked Susumu Yokosuka, but he had visa issues, or we booked this guy and he got hurt, and then we were going to book this guy, but he had visa issues. It's a decade-long struggle at this point. Yeah, and
2: it's something that in 2019, High Spots and Russell Kahn wanted to bring Dragon Gate in for WrestleMania 2019 in New York City, and it got to a point where they were waiting on visas, they announced the card with it, and the visas didn't come, and they didn't weren't able to work. My overall point about bringing this up with this is, takuma fujiwara not even across a year as a professional wrestler i don't know if they knew that takuma fujiwara would be ready for excursion soon enough to get the paperwork filed you know like le- like let's be honest here if they announced the uh the ongoing agreement basically like the at least like this point to my understanding really started with uh lucha republic and ultimo last year like when the first like batch of okay all these people from AAA and oh oh yeah also ultimo dragon and tajiri got visas from this build up through there but we're talking about november december and january is when takuma fujiwara is really like putting that foot forward and getting a visa paperwork like they announced the uh, visa is like the next one with the dragon gate no guys in march i don't think there's a way that they could get like paperwork through for the guy to begin with
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's very true. I, I would love to know. I mean, that's that's something that if I could sit down with, you know, the Mysterious Dragon Gate Booking Committee, there's so many questions I have about the last nine months or so, specifically about Fujiwara, because I just can't fathom that when he debuted at the end of November at Gate of Origin that they expected him to wrestle Dragon Daya for the Open the Brave Gate Championship in March. I would love to know just how much he disrupted their booking plans and at what point the decision was made for him to go to Mexico because even for Dragon Gate standards and their excursions at times have been a bit quirky – The fact is, like you said, he debuted in November and he was gone in June. That is such an incredibly quick process for somebody to debut in Japan, make an impact, and then leave for Mexico. And given the way that these Dragon Gate excursions work, he is going to be a pushed commodity when he lands in Japan once more. This is, you know, we we talked for a long time. You know, in in the short time that he was on the roster, but seemingly every week was, oh, is this going to be the week that Fujiwara wins? Is he going to get his first one here? Is he going to get his first one here? We thought it would come in King of Gate when he wrestled Ishinihashi, but they went to a 15-minute time limit draw instead. Whenever he returns to Japan, and we don't know when that is going to be, I am assuming he's on a similar trajectory as La Estrella, which, given uh, what I heard from the indie promoter, he's kind of uh, available until otherwise noted, I expect him to be pushed immediately upon return, which for somebody who might be 21, 22 at the oldest is going to be an an incredible position to be in. But Fujiwara time after time has proven that he can handle that spotlight.
2: And you compare that with the newly announced SB Kento going on excursion. I mean, we're still talking about someone who's 22 years old, very young, and two years of a rookie. And his excursion for however long this is, we currently know at least it's fall and winter of this year. It, I, I think we're talking about a different kind of excursion where is this so much going to be like a full-throated, okay, you're going to be gone for at least 12 months, we'll call you back when we call you back, and we'll change how things are with this, or is this getting him out of people's minds? Because that was always the thing about Yuki Oshioko was, oh, he's also more so it's getting him out of here for a little bit so he can just get out of everyone's minds and memory enough so he can come back, and as we saw through Inferno and that whole storyline.
0: It's very interesting the way that SB Kento has been positioned this year. I've made a point in my written reviews over at VoicesOfWrestling.com and on this podcast more and more recently of hammering home the fact that for the most part, he has lost all of his important matches this year. He is on a losing streak if Drangate has ever done a losing streak gimmick. And if there was ever a time for them to really embrace, and I mean them being Drangate as the promotion, to embrace almost this traditional Japanese mindset that they so often stray away, uh, stray away from in the context of wrestling. If there was ever a time to send this guy away, we know he's right on the cusp of superstardom of being that, not only that top guy, but that open the dream gate champion. If there's ever a time to send him away, have him win some matches internationally, get a photo of him with an American title belt around his waist, and then have him lose it before he comes back to Japan This could be the thing that takes him over the edge. Just that little bit of international exposure, I think could do him a lot of good because the way I see it, I will speculate now. We've talked since the formation of Zebrats about, you know, it's weird. Kai's the leader of this unit, but it doesn't really feel like Kai's unit. And the fact that we've seen those two team up more and more uh, often as we get closer to Kobe world, I think in storyline kai is of the same thought process and i think he's going to banish sb kento a perennial loser from zebrats and really make it his own unit and that puts us in a position where when SP kento returns my thought process is he's going to return as a baby face and i am so on board with that ideology we really only got given that sb kento debuted in december of 2019 you take away a few months from covid we we really have like 5 or 6 months of sp kento as a babyface and that is bare bones young boy style wrestling for the most part he turned heel super quick and embraced that heel role so well that there might be there might be fans that just completely forget what he wrestles like as a babyface and i think upon return he can be that white hot star that takes out kai that takes out zebras i think they're positioning him to do that
2: yeah and, and it's something really that at the end of the day we're talking about someone who's still 22 years old too so he got his like initial heel run if you like look at like the timeline of a dragon gate wrestler this is like the right time for him to go on excursion like you've done like your rookie character you did a bit of a heel run you're you've got like title belts you're ready to go on excursion and you come back as your main event babyface like it's it, it it's almost like by the beat other than the fact of him winning uh belts with before he was a while well, he was a rookie you know but like if you look at like the whole entire like timeline about like dragon gate people and if you want to like fit in a mold it's time for it like it needs to happen and you know it's something that with like the king of the indies being announced on the west coast and Australia being announced for that as well he's naturally someone that's like hey that's early in his excursion so i don't expect him to come out here and someone to like throw weight around and say like he needs to win this thing But that's a big kind of tournament that I could see them wanting him to make a name for him, like how Bola did with Akira Tozawa in 2010.
0: The issue is going to be, and I I think that's a very fair point. I think unfortunately, we are giving far too much credit to US indie promoters. And in this podcast, you know, 95% of it is about Dragon Gate, 4% of it is about Anderson Cooper, Drink Gun New Year's Eve, and other assorted bullshit. And 1% of it is complaining about the US indie scene. And the fact is, these promoters just don't know who these guys are. And, And this is something we've talked about with Jay on air at length that. In the eyes of the American viewer and of the American promoter, Drangate is still Shima, it is still Masato Yoshino, it is still Naruki Doishingo Takagi Akira Tozawa, and I know for a fact that there are promoters out there of high-level indies, people that could plug SP Kento or astrea or Shun Skywalker into their show tomorrow, and they would be better off, they would sell more tickets, they would sell more subscriptions, that have no clue what to do with these guys and while the idea of sb kento rolling into san francisco and winning the king of the indies tournament which i think he's more than qualified to do is a beautiful vision unfortunately i find that to be completely unrealistic i love your train of thought it's just we went through this three years ago with oh, yeah. shoon skywalker and the rest of the dragon gate crew but specifically Shun, During that WrestleMania weekend that you mentioned where they ended up not coming over because of visa issues, Shun was pining for bookings. Shun actively wanted, from all we heard, put me on your show, let me wrestle in America. And other than Rob Viper, who was very outspoken about knowing who Shun was, understanding his value and wanting to use him as much as possible, promoters far and wide said, we don't know who this guy is and we don't want him. And that is a systematic issue that is, again, the American Indies being clueless and being stuck in a ROH carbon copy rut for 20 years now. And for as talented as we know that SB Kento and Shun Skywalker specifically, no disrespect to Australia, but I think anybody listening can agree that he's not on their level. For as talented as SB Kento and Shun Skywalker are, realistically, they should be a Kirito reincarnated in terms of what he did to PWG and how that impacted his career. That is just not going to happen. It is a bummer, but that is just not going to happen. And some of that is
2: also the environment. Like you talk about in any promoters, uh, Yoshino was the only one who got outside of that uh, WrestleCon stuff. The only one who got an outside booking that 2019 weekend that was advertised was Masato Yoshino. So that really gives you uh, the state of things. I, I guess when I say like that, like having him at that tournament just appear there, you, you, you want the photographs. You want I, to I you agree. That kind of I,
0: I, you know, I look, you know, SP Kento versus Titus Alexander, SP Kento versus Kevin Blackwood. Go down the list of the guys that are working Southern California Indies right now. I guess that's NorCal, but the point still stands. Right. There's plenty of opportunities for these guys to win. The hope is that, you know, uh, joining Australia would be an SP Kento or it'd be a Shun Skywalker. They can succeed there. I just, I don't have faith in the process right now that that's going to happen. It's going to be very interesting to see what comes of this, but. What do you make of, you know, we talked about Estrella. Obviously, he's been over there for a while. We talked about SP Kento. What do you make of Shun being yeah. uh, uh, offered up to North America for two months? I think he's
2: at a position now on the card, not saying that it is the Shima role when he would always be over for like whenever Dragon Gate people were there. I think him coming over in like that position of seniority, of course, not one-to-one there. I think that's valuable. I think it makes you wonder again about like zebrats but i think two months is something for that and gets a chance to have a little bit of the indie the u.s side of his excursion that he never got to have because of covid because he had because both him and Yoshioka were not playing and staying in mexico all of 2020 they were supposed to move up to new york because that was where the mld mlw relationship was at that point but covid happened so maybe this is a way for him to get like a little bit of a super indie run you know
0: yeah uh, initially i read it as if you follow shun on social media it seemed like despite the fact that he was dropped in mexico in the midst of a pandemic it seemed like he really liked mexico and that he somehow he had done what h has been unable to do for a decade and talked himself back into a mexico trip shun in america is something that again he obviously wanted wrestlemania weekend I had heard conflicting things about his relationship with MLW in 2019 and 2020. He was initially on the list of guys that they had wanted to bring over. And I think enough time has passed to, and I'm sure we've said it on the show before, but it was I think Yamato, Kai, Ben K, Big R Shimizu, Shun, and KZ, I think were the six that were initially marketed. Yoshino,
2: Yoshino at that time, too.
0: Okay. And then I had heard at one point after the initial announcement that Shun was off limits to MLW. I I don't know where that exactly stood. I don't know if something happened. I don't know if I had bad information. But from every account that I've heard, it seems like this is something that Shun wants to do. And I don't think there's any story here other than the fact that he will seemingly be gone from Japan for two months, which is exciting as somebody who, you know, when I voted in the SFM50 last year, number one was Kenny Omega, number two was Shun Skywalker. So now, if you're a promoter in America or Mexico, you have a chance to, in my opinion, book the second best wrestler on Earth.
2: And just to say, if you are places if you're promoters that might be running a certain city that has insane insane weathercasters over, let's say Memorial, uh, let's say not even Memorial Day, Labor Day weekend, let's talk about Labor Day weekend. They'll be available. I I mean, why not have these guys there overall?
0: Well, the, the start date, sta- the start dates that I have on Sb Kento and Shuun Skywalker from this American promoter, from by proxy, uh, a Drangate representative would be September first. So, fingers crossed.
2: Let, let's let's all get together, get around your phones, your laptops, put our hands up in the air, and let's convene. Let, let's get the energy flowing and let's get. Dragon Gate to Chicago overall. Out.
0: Yeah, because I looked at flights for King of Indies and I was not loving the prices that I saw from Chicago to San Francisco. That uh, That is a no can do right now. Yeah, I,
2: I, I finally booked my all out stuff. And okay, yeah, yeah.
0: It's, it's hard out here for a pimp.
2: Case, <laughs> uh, okay, so anything else you wanted to touch on about uh, Dragon Gate excursions? Of course, this is a moving topic and, you know, if, if they're in the states we'll more than certain ch- check it out and talk about it on the show
0: I'm excited It's it's been a long time since we've had Dragon Gate wrestlers outside of Japan obviously the Mexico stuff we've we've had a pretty close eye on uh, we'll do uh, probably another big Fujiwara and Australia roundup the week after Kobe World and the idea of them coming to America is very very exciting to me
2: absolutely Well, support for Open the Voice Gate comes to us from HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients, and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. In case, it's all about, for me right now, HelloFresh, the taste of the summer, and especially the Old Bay shrimp and sausage boil. I, I, I like a boil. I'm a big fan of that. To me, that's always a big... Memory of spring and summer and the fact that HelloFresh has that and tastes of summer just reaches out and grabs.
0: You know, I, I've been waiting on my HelloFresh box to arrive this week. And, and because of that, because I have it scheduled to, to arrive on Wednesdays and I was a little low on food. I went to the grocery store today. And one of the beautiful, beautiful perks of HelloFresh is that I can now skip trips to the grocery store. And I bring this up because while I was there, I saw a child that was stranded at the grocery store, lost his parents, and as a 23-year-old... I was equally as scared as this perhaps three-year-old child was. That is a terrifying feeling. I was always afraid of that as a kid, of somehow losing my parents in the grocery store. It's a terrifying endeavor. I wouldn't wish it on my worst enemy. And with HelloFresh, I no longer have those nightmares because I can skip trips to the grocery store. I can chomp away on dummy-proof meals like the crispy buffalo spice chicken, like the barbecue cheddar burgers, like all of the 55 plus options they have on their menu. I cannot recommend it enough. It is healthy eating, and it is fearless eating.
2: Fearless eating. And how do you get on the fearless eating? Well, you go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use the promo code VOW16 for 16 free meals across 7 boxes and 3 free gifts. That is, go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW16 and use code VOW16 for 16 free meals across 7 boxes and 3 free gifts. That's HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit case we are on the road to kobe world we are almost 12 11 days off the passage of time it does not matter to me anymore but we had a last stop in kyoto before kobe world weekend on the 17th and case uh what were your thoughts off the bat because i came away a lot warmer feeling towards the show than i did about the stuff we had in osaka
0: very interesting, because I did not. I was I was once again very let down by this show. I, I have made a career as a professional wrestling journalist by stealing talking points from Alan Forel, and I'm going to do that once again because he posted something in our Voices of Wrestling Discord that let the record show. I had already had it in my notes as something to discuss with you this week, but he went public with it first, and I wanted to wrap this Kyoto review around the idea that dragon gate since june 2nd 2022 has taken a nosedive creatively and i i think i found a number of reasons why that has happened but if you're higher on this show i would like your big picture thoughts first so i
2: look at kyoto as a venue where i really want to have a good time basically like because it's on the loop it's a part of like the hometown basically rotation in well, a way well, anything can happen in kyoto everything anything can happen in kyoto and let me tell you about a certain match that happened in kyoto case and this is the reason why i might be in such a good mood
0: it was ben versus minarita super super fun two guys I mean, look, I, I, I've i said uh, all year, the Menorita stuff pops me. I think it's great, but not exactly a, a wrestler that I, I have relied on for great matches in his short career. Ben K, as we've discussed at length, including two weeks ago when I when I tore into him and I felt I felt rightfully so. Uh, two guys that I don't always think of when I think of great matches, but boy, oh boy, did they deliver exactly what they should have on this show.
2: And it was just playing off of the Menorita formula, but you have Benke with it. So it's like, oh, what's going to be the deal about Benke versus Menorita? Well, he's not going to really be pushed. He's just going to get angry until Menorita starts going after his knee. And then he has one moment where Menorita bounces off the rope and he makes a gesture to the camera and goes, that's it, I'm done here. And gives a top five spear of all time, I have to say. I went back and I watched it on my iPad i hit rewind 15 seconds a good five times i jfk is a pruder film this thing the way that Minorita's head goes forward and and like flaps back as he collides in the mat it just was excellent stuff and it, it was just taking a little bit from what had been working adding in someone new to the formula and adapting it to the someone new in a way that presented a different kind of style of match and i went four stars on this match case i adored this match this is one of my favorite like subtenant men- matches in a long time.
0: Okay, I am I am not that high on it. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but I I did not consider going spreadsheet with it. But I do think you you raise a point there of it was something different, and I think largely for the past two months now we've been bogged down with more and more of the same. It's almost the issue that I normally have when we get into to post champion gate in April and into early May. I've talked before about how much I hate those Road to Dead or Alive tag matches. For whatever reason, that is a style of match and a style of build that this company has embraced that I just cannot wrap my head around. And since the finish of King of Gate and the continued murkiness of the Minoru Yoshioka Kondo and Kai situation, on top it's been more of the same. High end has continued to be blent in the middle of the card with the exception of this Ben K match. Gold class, and this is on my list of things that I think have gone wrong creatively. The continued murkiness of Gold Class has been a real detractor for me. I really liked this unit when they were positioned early on, March, April, May, as uh, despite the fact that they're they're a group of bimbos, sort of these tough guy baby faces, you know, Ashita's a shit kicker, Doy is credible, and Minora, while he gave mixed signals, was ultimately a winner and the continued leaning into the heel nature of gold class has really bothered me so i went on a bit of a tangent there i I, i've got more stuff on the list but i you mentioning how different ben k versus Minorita was got me off on that
2: yeah it was something that this match five minutes and 48 seconds and they used it perfectly and afterwards ben k just looked pissed off (laughs) he had to go through it and everyone was carrying Minorita away it was excellent but you, the way you talk about gold class, and it's something that when we talk about the main event of the Kyoto show, it was a three-way, single-fall style uh, tag match. And it's something where you had the... It was D-Courage versus Minora and Doi of gold class versus Kai and SP Kento of Z-Brats. And it's something that when you have a pure babyface unit, I mean, D-Courage, if we want to do like the meter, they're as far babyface as one can get. And you have Zebrats, the most dastardly heels in the company, and you have and you have Gold Class in the middle of it. That you know, I mean, they play tweener like this. It's something that it. I don't know necessarily if it adds a lot of the matches, but it makes the matches different in a way that I can see that it's a murkiness that I think it that sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't necessarily work. And it's something that I think it that the murkiness of Gold Class and it's something also. I mean, it's still only four members, too that like i i I feel like that there's a road ahead of gold class but just right now i I, i'm kind of with you about how appealing of the unit it is at this very
0: i like to uh, before we break down this show because I, i i was much lower on it than you i don't have a ton of overall thoughts there was one other match that i really liked and then a bunch of stuff that quite frankly i found to be underwhelming but in terms of what has gone wrong from June through now, I think one of the other things that has hurt is the lack of direction for Ata. I have in my notes Ata is no longer interesting, and we started the year with him getting booted from RED. He was no uh, at no point under the vision of zebrats. And I thought for the first few months of the year he was doing really compelling work with Yosuke Santa Maria and this will they, won't they, when is Ata going to turn babyface deal? And for as complimentary as I've been of Peros Del Monte, Hapound, and Dragon Gate, and let the record show, I have loved Nozawa unironically. It has come at a cost, and that cost is that Ata doing these meandering middle-of-the-card singles matches. Is just not doing it for me it
2: it's something that I think the issue is that what do you do when Perez the Mall can't be there? basically because he's left to drift here and out to a point where he basically has a pretty plotting match with Big biggerman.' like this was actually my least favorite thing on the show was the singles match gay, so I'm glad that you you brought this up in, in that sort of way that it's well when Pers the Mall they're doing stuff about the triangle gate stuff is happening with him but when it's not what are you doing with ada right now and it's and it's difficult because i almost wish that he was like threatening not to show up and then like you have him just go do more noah stuff other than when you're ready for him to do like the pair all matches because it is something that sticks out like a sore thumb
0: he is without a doubt the most confusing wrestler i have ever covered and You know, I'm I'm approaching a decade, which is sickening to think about, of of covering wrestling online in some way, shape, or form. And there's no wrestler that I have been as impressed by, as underwhelmed by, and ultimately so confused by as I am Ata. Again, three months ago, he's teaming with Yosuke Santa Maria, mind you. It's not exactly Shun Skywalker and Diamante together. He's teaming with Yosuke. And I'm talking about how Ata's back. This is him revitalized. He's found his sweet spot once again. This is a guy who, uh, despite leading a heel unit for four years, was a natural-born babyface. And all of a sudden, that gets swept out from under him. And he's back to doing, you know, a a, a Pareto tribute act, which is, you know, he wants to be, you know, Paraguayo Jr. I get it. I do too. Uh, But it is not who he is as a wrestler, it would be like if will ferrell who every once in a while will do like a money losing drama just because he wants to do it it's like if will ferrell made his entire career of that and we only got glimpses <laughs> of him being funny uh, i
2: i'm thinking about this movie that will ferrell did that was one of these movies that it was him and Dustin hoffman he couldn't decide that he was a comedian or if he wasn't a comedy or a tragedy like those kind of
0: Yeah, every once in a while, and he said this, he's like, every once in a while, I just just want to do a movie for me, and those are the types of movies that he wants to do, and it seems like this is the career that Eita wants to have, and I'm sure he'd rather be doing this in Tijuana or Nakapone, quite frankly, rather than Osaka and Kyoto and Tokyo, but I am just so routinely underwhelmed when I am forced to watch Eita slowly crowd brawl on the outside of the ring. And it even hurts more this time around because we were so close to getting the to that I wanted. And I will, I will go back to that twin gate match in Osaka for champion gate where he was just all over the place. And he was moving fast and he was, he was doing these cool flash pins and he was grappling and he was deep uh, reaching back into his Yahweh bag of tricks. It was like, that's, that's the guy, that's the wrestler. And routinely he just doesn't do what I want him to do. And there's an argument to be made. Look, you know, other than Yamato, he's the most popular guy in the company. We've talked about with Jay the merch that he moves, the devoted fans that he has. I get it. But when I look at what I enjoyed in the first half of this year, or rather in the first quarter of this year, and what has been underwhelming since, ATA is a huge part of that because I was locked into what he was doing January, February, March, April. And since May, I have just not been into it, which again is a, is a conundrum because I've really enjoyed Nozawa and Kotaro Suzuki when they're around. Yeah, and, and, and like that's the
2: delineation for me, really, is it's that they don't know what to do with him when they're not around right now. So it, it's frustrating. Like It's almost something that it's like, wherever Fuda is, if he's ever come back, I kind of want Fuda to kind of be like his minion at this point, just so he has something to do, even if it's a detriment of someone like Fuda right now, just so... Ata has a purpose when when Nozawa and Katara Suzuki aren't around, right?
0: Then there's the issue and this is the final thing that I, I really thought of and I'll kick it to you after this to see if there's anything that you missed, but you know, besides Ata and this continued Paro situation, besides Gold Class and their continued murkiness, it's something I touched on a bit last week with the individual impact that Takuma Fujiwara has had since leaving Mexico. But you you think about the dramatic roster changes that have taken place just this year where you lose Fujiwara and you lose Estrella and you lose Shoya Sato and then you lose Ricky Ihashi and Ryofuda, you can't find him with a search party. And then, you know, now we have no Kaito Ishida seemingly. And then you look at the other injuries that have taken place this year. The lack of depth is something that is astounding and All I have to do is point to match three on this card where you found Punch Tamanaga and Genki Horiguchi and Ho Ho Loon in a main card match all together. And that's something that I just don't think would have happened January, February, March of this year because there was so much more depth on the roster.
2: Yeah, and I mean, like Punch So coming out doing a full Natural Vibes thing, like that was charming for like a minute, and then he was like the focal point of the match. And I, I, like, I oh, found okay. it, to,
0: I found it to be violently depressing. I really hated seeing Punch and Natural Vibes colors because, you know, they just printed up merch of, of the third chapter of Natural Vibes with the inclusion of Jason Lee and Strong Machine J. Yeah, and and as I've said on this show, I think it's the most deeply satisfying unit in wrestling right now. Natural Vibes in their current state does so many things right and they are so talented and so cohesive as a unit to throw punch back into that wildfire even for one night was one night too many and they've done it a few times this year i hate it when they do it i hate that vision of natural vibes 1.0 because i hated that unit and i love what they've done ever since they've been reincarnated
2: And, and it's something that like the the fact that you have punch just all over this match it means that's harder for you to take away like ho ho loon has been really good sneaky good
0: sneaky, go sneaky Ho-ho good loon. yeah 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 like
2: my note is like ho ho since the since the karate masters happen and it's something concurrently it's just something that getting more opportunities like he's someone that actually like yeah it's something that if every if the roster was in a position that everyone was here and healthy he wouldn't be sniffing this match position but he did not embarrass himself and i was really excited when he got tagged in and i was like ho ho it's nice to see Ho Ho really like getting the opportunity like this and you know kind of being like the big positive in this match
0: he doesn't feel out of place in the karate masters tags and he certainly was an an active contributor and a positive influence to this match which is all i'm looking for because i can't say the same for punch
2: yeah yeah and then really the rest of this card i will go down the results case and if there's anything that really reached out to you the the rest of the card really was built up around again the triangle gate match that's happening in noah it, it, is that match is tomorrow right it it will be
0: thursday july 21st so okay yeah
2: I, why do i see stuff that was like 719
0: I, because noah runs a bunch of shows uh,
2: yeah they 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 do run too much i spent too much time over my last month evaluating that case
0: yeah how's noah's business let's do a noah business check in real quick uh not
2: good not good. Uh they run Corkin at a rate that over uh, over COVID case, it would surprise you, but Noah was number two to uh N- New Japan in running Cork Hall.
0: Can we briefly talk about all Japan and how they might have screwed up their their red hot streak in Corkin Hall by giving Suama the triple crown?
2: Yeah, uh it, it was something that during like uh the my data and my study case, I was like, oh, all Japan. All Japan's showing something here, like Little Mo. I was calling it Little Momentum. They had a little bit of Mo there. And then, you know, immediately dropped 200 by putting Swam in the main event. And it's, it's well, because it seems like there actually was groundswell there and some momentum that's like, maybe we should see how things go with this guy. But I know Joe and Rich talked about on the flagship about them wanting to get the belt off of him because of potentially being in the G1. Well, he's not in the G1 now, so you didn't have to get the belt off.
0: Yeah, I- I'm glad you mentioned that you know i i mean i listen to the flagship every week it's where i get most of my wrestling news from but that was top form rich and joe flagship audio discussing the triple crown situation all japan's business and the failed attempt to get jason lee into the or i'm sorry jake lee into the g1 this summer that was really really good audio Obviously, I'm sure we have people that listen that aren't enamored with Rich and Joe. But if you're curious about All Japan, I really can't recommend that enough. I thought that was really well done. So I'm glad you mentioned that. Before we talk about Kyoto, before we run down the rest of this card, I just pulled up Masaki Mochizuki's lineup in the N1 NOAA tournament. Do you want to briefly discuss this now as we bounce all around the dragon system?
2: I might need a five minute shower after
1: this. <laughs> so let's do it.
0: He's going to kick off the tournament. Yokohama Budokan on August 11th. It's Masaki Mochizuki in the biggest test of his career against Hideki Suzuki. Okay, I, I, I'm a sicko. I think that's gonna be fascinating. I want to see that. Okay. One of, the that most giving, one of the most giving wrestlers of all time, a man who can make anything work in Masaki Mochizuki, wrestling the laziest fucking garbage wrestler of all time in Hideki Suzuki. I cannot so- wait to see what that looks like.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a beast matchup. No, sell, you've done it again. Because it's a fascinating match, even though it can go a lot of different ways, case, and we can't tell, and that's what makes it compelling.
0: After that, August 13th, Osaka Edeon Arena number 2, uh, a venue that I very much enjoy. Kano versus Masaki Mochizuki. That's going to be good stuff.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's an Edeon 2 match. Yeah, like, very much so. You, you, you put that that match there you're going to see some basketball hoops there you you see like the risers there it's going to be a good time like all right so far i'm feeling pretty good about this maybe we can just go straight through okay so I, i i'm certain that nosawa is not going to let me down from here
0: well i'm going to lump these next three together because there's some good and some bad here August 14th, Hiroshima Sun Plaza Hall, Goshi Ozaki versus Masaki Mochizuki. They always crush it together. Don't get too excited, Mike. His next match is at the Sendai Sun Plaza on August 17th. It is Masaki Mochizuki against he held uh, De Dr. Wagner Jr. And then luckily, two days after that, Corken Hall, Masato Tanaka versus Masaki Mochizuki.
2: Okay. Uh, you know, when you really want to target the northeast of Japan and you're really breaking into hoku some companies will try to you know cater to the fan base make sure you have some local guys around there you know you want to see your hometown star right however no noah decides that hey we're going to go run in sendai el hio del dr wagner jr who's okay isn't but, that like, hard uh, to
0: say, by the way? Oh oh no, it's it, it's a mouthful. It's <laughs> Thank entirely you. I, a mouthful. I, I I am used to butchering luchador's names on this show, but that one no. I'm not gonna take fault for. No, no, no. no.
2: El Hio del Dr. Wagner Jr. sucks to say. Like, like it's not not a good mouthfeel on that name.
0: Oh my goodness. Okay, so after after that, he's got two more uh matches I'm very nervous about. On August 27th in Nagoya, it is Masaki Mochizuki against Ironhead Fujita.
2: Oh, I mean, these are fascinating matches. Like, Nosawa has not let me down yet, because that's going to be, like, like again, like Hideki, we don't know how what's going to happen there, and that makes it fast.
0: If Mochizuki gets hurt in that match, I am going to be so livid, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. But that is oh, a... W- when was this match again? This is August 27th.
2: Yeah, no, that's way too close to Dangerous Gate in the fall swing. Yeah, be careful be careful mochi
0: unreal and then he closes out the tournament uh in a match that means that he will not be winning this entire thing it is a meaningless match on the last day it is him versus anthony green in kawasaki
2: you, you, you know it's good that he's doing some community service to round it out
0: <sighs> what anthony green wrestled in nxt okay Yeah, and Evolve, and
2: AEW. He's one of the,
0: like, I know who he is, but I also don't know anything about him. I just know that he's one of these weird foreigners that Noah's booking now. Um, So, look, you need content for Spears evasion, obviously, and it seems like (laughs) Mochizuki's (laughs) N1 is going to be the perfect thing for you.
2: I I, I mean, who's going to think about uh, the the former soul of the Kicking King, now the soul of the overprotective sports dad versus the former wretched sexual case? I mean... Kawasaki I, I I I I know the baseball stadium doesn't exist anymore but I think you need to go to that college football field they made there and you have to run it there for Anthony Green versus Misaki Mochizuki in the year of our Lord 2022
0: I'm so worried about Mochizuki versus Fujita I can't even begin to describe it
2: I I, I I'm leaning into the chaos I'm leaning
0: all right Kyoto let's talk about it yeah, yeah.
2: All right. So we, we already did big picture and some of the bigger thoughts here. Okay, so I'm going to run down the card. Uh, we had a future match. They it, it, It's gone to a point where it's very hard to talk about future kids, you know, until they really debut and until they do better ways of identifying them. I hate to say that, but it's very hard to kind of talk about this. It was a decent little future match. Uh, there was a the the I forget the, the guy's name, but the guy who was in black in this one used his size well. That was my only takeaway from that. Uh, opener, Natural Vibes, Jason Lee, the returning strong Machine J, and Jackie Funky Kamei face off against Z ZBrats, BB Hulk, and the Open the Twin Gate champion team of Shun Skywalker and Diamante. Diamante won with the Vuelta finale on Jason Lee, so Natural Vibes continues to look weak going into this uh, Open the Twin Gate match at Ultimo's 30
0: I did love this match, though. I went three and three quarters on it. I thought it was the best thing on the show. I, I mean, it was a JFK show,
2: really. Like doing great work there. And then the hot tag from strong machine J coming in there, like just looking like a house of fire. It was a, it was a really fun opener. I, I went three and a half on it.
0: I continue to be enamored by the Shun Skywalker, Diamante double team moves. And the one that they did in this match, which I, I don't remember them doing in the past. And it is, it is so perfect because Kamei is just the right size for this to look devastating, but also realistic is Diamante picked Kameh up in a press slam and and then just threw him on the knee of Shun Skywalker. And I think if Kamei was any bigger, it would look more like friendly fire. It would look like something that would damage Shun's knee. But Kamei is so small, and Diamante threw him with such force, quite frankly, that it looked devastating to Kamei. I loved I, I loved that spot. I love what they're doing. Strong Machine J was back in action here after missing last week, and I thought he looked very good. This continues to be a winning combination it's not quite the level of the red versus masquerade matches that we raved about last year where seemingly every time they were connecting with a spreadsheet level match but natural vibes versus zebrats is far and away the most consistent pairing in the company right now
2: yeah it's something that's really nice to see and it it was a tough night for the short kings of the roster they kind of got ragdolled out there a whole lot there was a weird post-match kind of beat down kind of not where diamante and shun stood over their challengers jason lee and jackie funky kamei and show machine j kind of begged off case did you pick up on that yeah i didn't know what to make of it but i
0: certainly clocked it
2: yeah it was weird it was weird uh, after that was the ben k versus minarita match that we already discussed five minutes 48 seconds uh ben won with the spear uh it's worth checking out it's a five minute match it ruled uh match three was the curse punch to Monaga match other people in the match KZ and ut on the natural vibe side Ginky Horiguchi, Madoka Kakuta, and Hoho Loon. And it was UT penning Horiguchi with Hikari no Wa. Uh, match four, another singles match. This was Eita versus Big R Shimizu. After Ata pretty much spent the entire match slowly dismantling Shimizu's knee. Uh, after a failed uh, Big Boss press, he defeats uh, Big R Shimizu. Not Big R Shimizu, Big Boss Shimizu with a half Boston Crab. Not really a lot of Yahweh being shown.
0: I- I-, I will say I like this match a little bit more than you. It was certainly Aita playing into his Fuji characteristics. He went after Shimizu's knee the entire time. There's a spot that I loved where Shimizu started to make a comeback, hit that cartwheel that he does into the Razor Ramon taunt, and as he was doing that, Aita kicked his knee, which was a short little thing, but I liked that quite a bit. And then Aita submitting him with the half crab I thought was a nice touch.
2: Yeah, uh, Shimizu sold the knee very well. Like, like That was a highlight of this, because he would do like the uh, the razor ramon taunt and then also dancing time how he sold during dancing time the entire time <laughs> like the world's slowest like shuffle that he was doing during it, it uh, he he put forth the effort he he's thus he rose out there in modern day four
0: i have said it before i will say it again big boss shimizu is a phenomenal professional wrestler
2: gosh yes he is yes he is get him over to the states i just want to hang out with a big boss shimizu i feel like <laughs>
0: I've, i
2: i out of everyone on the roster if you're like mike you're in charge make sure they have a good time
0: i i, I would say that uh big
2: boss shimizu is probably the easiest one wouldn't you say
0: well i at least know what to do with him he's just gonna want to drink beer and watch like diesel wwf superstar squash matches like it's frankly ha- same yeah like i can handle that he can come over to my apartment and do that
2: yeah 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 it, it, it's something that like if kakatora comes to the states and they say mike you, can, can you just make sure like just take care of him out there keep an eye out for him i don't know what to do with kakatora. no you're,
0: you're like you're rubbing your templates like ah that uh that week oh i just i don't i don't know if i have kakatora time that week that's a that's a busy <laughs> one for me and then like sp kento's young like what am i gonna do take him to a like sp kento and i are gonna go clubbing i can't do that
2: yeah yeah and that's not even to start like the fact that it's just like all right uh ids like taking him to like a bar like i take sp kento to like the bar
0: And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.
2: It's in my neck of the woods. like that, that That's just not going to be a pleasant experience for either of us,
0: you know? I got I to show him what Wrigleyville is all about. Oh, Yeah, they got, they, got a, they got a bar down the street from May at that uh has an indoor batting cage and i feel like that could really check off a lot of boxes for the dragon gate crew
2: <laughs> actually you know what cubs game batting cages you're probably kissed you're in charge of entertainment. yeah that's
0: that's half the half the roster is good with that the the other half we got to figure out like some anime for them to watch you know back at the hotel or something. Play soccer yeah they're a bunch of fucking dorks but half the roster with a cubs game and an indoor batting cage i think they're satisfied
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we were speaking about Kakatora and how we're not prepared about to entertain Kakatora if he came to visit. He was in a tag match of Yamato and Dragon Kid of high-end versus the M3K team of Susumu, Mochizuki, Yazushi, Kanda, and Mochizuki Jr. Yamato reversed a slingshot on the outside as M3K were going for the double countout, and he got in at 20. I, I really am enjoying... The, like the slow crawl with mochizuki jr
0: finally not getting his ass kicked i have a I'm, i have a dumb observation to make this is go, this is going to sound dumb but let me explain mochizuki jr wrestles like a guy who's been wrestling for three months but is a mochizuki and by that i mean he is really rough around the edges he is not a finished product by any means But he carries himself and projects like someone that you should care about. And I love that in a young wrestler.
2: He's really good at selling for like three months in. Like he's able to like give this like you could tell that that it wasn't like that he was hidden away from pro wrestling, even though his dad was a pro wrestler, you know, like little things you pick up on. It's like, yeah, if I grew up as the son of one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, and if I go into wrestling maybe I pick up on that from Pops,
0: you know? I really like this match. I really like the finish of this match. You know, M3K was going for the double count out. Yamato whipped Mochizuki Jr. into the into the steel post on the outside, slid back in the ring at 19, got the win for high end. I thought that was clever. That was a nice wrinkle that I hadn't seen in an M3K match yet. And although what is looking less and less likely that my prediction of the triangle gate belts bouncing around until they found some stability on M3K at Kobe World this year... Although that is looking less and less likely, I am still not deterred from that vision. I think if you wrestled a bunch of matches of this style with some combination of Susumu and Kanda and Masaki Mochizuki, they are talented enough. Whatever two guys you want to throw on the wings of Mochizuki Jr., they are talented enough to protect Mochizuki Jr. and to not expose him in this environment. I think on a show like this where, you know, we've seen title matches before, let's throw this in Fukuoka or even, you know, Osaka, and let's say this is for the Triangle Gate belts, I don't think we're let down by this as a title match. I think there would be an extra gear of intensity that would be there, and I still think Mochizuki Jr. would have been protected. So although they started off white hot and it seemed like they were only going to go up, they've obviously cooled, they've obviously taken a step back, and it doesn't look like they're going to hit uh, that title match at World like I thought they were going to, I still like that idea and I still don't think that would be the worst thing.
2: No, and I'm confident enough that out of the four with Mochizuki Junior as you're saying, like they could get something together with him. Well, like we we're, we're talking like that this kid isn't a professional wrestler or a, like, you know, Dragon System like this. Like his first debut match debuting in the main event of Cork and Hall. I feel like that it's going to be okay in that scenario. I think it's interesting the fact that no mochi on the show, and Mochizuki Junior suffers a loss because protective dad's not there.
0: It's 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 great stuff. Uh, again, I, I will continue to reemphasize this because I think it's only going to be more obvious as time goes on. Think about the level of care and protection they had with Strong Machine J, just given that he was the son of a wrestler, a second generation wrestler. The Ahashis, obviously, things didn't go as planned for Ricky, but think about the hype that surrounded them as Japan's first supernovas. If you think Dragon Gate isn't going to make every, uh, uh, milk everything, rather, milk everything possible out of Mochizuki Jr. being on the roster, you are sorely mistaken.
2: Absolutely. And then the main event, we talked about it briefly. It was D-Courage versus Minora and Doi of Gold Class and Kai and SP Kento of So It was Yoshioka pinning SP Kento with the Frog Splash. And around the, uh, the semi-main and the main event, they continue to build up the uh, Triangle Gate Dissension within uh, High End with Benkei still being unhappy, but he's now playing it for jokes. And just general build for the match next week in Kobe Samba Hall to decide the uh, Dream Gate Challengers at Kobe World next.
0: I reached out to Jay on Twitter. I said, was there anything notable from the Binke Yamato promo exchange? And he said, no, it's basically the same thing they did in Corkin. So there's nothing new on that front. As for the main event, like I said earlier, I continue to be really underwhelmed by these matches. I, I think, you know, this is going to be one of those shows. That's going to be very interesting. To look back upon it. I mean, Ultimo 35th and, and the subsequent Kobe world. Because, Although it's unfair to analyze wrestling and and arguably predict wrestling in this sort of way, if we leave next weekend and, you know, Kai wrestles a four and a half star match against Minora and, you know, a four and three quarter star match against Yoshioka, our view of these shows are going to be incredibly positive. And as time goes on, I think we'll forget the dissatisfaction we had with the build up to these matches, but... I am really not enjoying what they're doing with the main event scene. I talked about that at length last week. If you missed that, go back and listen to it. And these Road 2 matches are not helping. I am just not into this at all, even if I know the end result is likely going to be greatness. And that is a a similar feeling that I had last year, but it's more extreme this year because I felt like last year, you know, Shun sweeping Casey and Yamada would have been a win. KZ winning the title and defending against Yamato would have been a win. Doing what they did, where Yamato left with the title, wasn't the most exciting thing they could do. But from a business standpoint, that was a win. The only loss that was on the table there, to me, was Casey beating Shun and then losing to Yamato, and that obviously didn't happen. This year, we're in a scenario where I don't, I don't trust what they're going to do with Minora. I feel like they're going to do, uh, for lack of a better term, some really dumb shit with Coach Menora, and I don't like that as somebody who's been obviously very bullish on him since he debuted, a big proponent of his character work really up until this last month and a half, and then Yoshioka, who I think is destined for stardom, but isn't over the hump just yet, and if they don't nail this, they are in great danger of repeating what happened with the big six and we obviously look at them now and it's you know Shingo and Hulk and Doi and Yoshino and Tozawa and those are stars in our eyes those are guys that were made men but the first attempt to get them there was not a success and they had to put the title on Mochizuki and then Shima had to carry it for a year and a half for them to get back to that point and then from 2013 on we obviously know and love those runs And I'm just very concerned that if they don't stick the landing at World, this youth brigade that we've seen since the start of 2019 with the rookie ranking tournament is going to be set back in a dramatic way. And it's something that like
2: talking about Minora's character work, it's just question marks about like, at least for me, like it, it, we're getting to that point with him in his career that we were talking about SP Kento going on an excursion about how it's kind of right for him at this point. Like we've already blown past F. Menor. They kind of treated uh, him returning at uh, Kyoto in 2020 in July with like new gear and a winning streak and became the Kota Menor that we know now as like an end or like that relaunch there. But he hasn't had the heel turn case. And the question there is like, is this heal work that would be working in normal contexts, or is this something that if we had this outside of the wrapper of the Kobe world weekend, would this be more palatable?
0: Yeah, I just, I don't like the way they've gone about it. I, I think even if this was like the gate of destiny main event, which, you know, holds reverence, but less so than Kobe world. I don't think this would have connected with me. I really, that, that, that show closing angle in July to end the Dreamgate match with the lights going off and Minora, you know, digging into this vicious side of him, which I just don't agree with in terms of the way that this character has been portrayed before that, that was a really big miss for me. And as a consumer that did a lot of damage with who Minora is, even if I like the logic that they built in of Minorita being the one that flickered the lights on and off, I just think this is one of those rare times where Drangate missed, you know, there's a, there's a few different avenues of Gate booking. There's the uh, logic that they are so good at, like you just mentioned on a small scale, you know, Mochizuki Sr. not being there, so Mochizuki Jr. loses a match. They do small stuff like that, then obviously in the big picture, they're able to build on stuff like that and make it into this grandiose thing. There's the second avenue of Drangate booking, which is, wow, I didn't see this coming, but Oh my god, that makes sense, which is this realization that we all come to and I think that is what makes this promotion so special and it's why people that you and people like you and I care about it so much because we get sucked into that sort of stuff where you know, we think we have a clear vision for the next 3 months and the next show completely upends that, but it's done in this beautiful way and I was there with this promotion a mere few months ago. And then there's an unfortunate third lane that they they rarely fall into. And it's it's been a long time since I felt like this with a with a big picture angle that they've done. But there's just the third the, the third lane where they miss, and they are in that lane right now, and I don't see an opportunity for them to merge. I, I think I just want to get through this, ideally get the belt on Yoshioka, get it on him in a clean manner by beating Kai with a flash pin, which would complete that story in a very satisfying way given the way that Kai has beat all of his opponents with a flash pin and then move on and just forget this and and let Minora work in that upper mid-card program for a little bit, give him something to do that isn't with the Dreamgate belt and rehab him so that come November when we're in Osaka for Gate of Destiny, that maybe Yoshioka versus Minora is a realistic headlining match because I don't think we're there.
2: Yeah, uh, there's a lot of ways I can go with this. Uh, I I guess now that have had a couple weeks from that cork and let soak in here uh i don't think there's a way that at least in my opinion to call that show close angle a success other than hey you've kind of booked stuff into your main events for a few weeks like they did that like that's successful accomplishing that but i i guess like the thing about men that gets me about this is the heel run and leaning tweeter leaning tweener with that and I, it, it's something where I will be very interested in six months to see where his character is because it's very clear that they're still kind of figuring this out on the go to me. Like, he was basically an airhead two months ago with him and then they started playing him as Vicious and now he, I guess, is insulted that by certain main events being boring in his mind. So is that him being an airhead again? It's it, it's something that... I, I I want to be able to really have the time to assess, to like really like put like a a definitive thing with this with Minanora, but it's something that I feel like it's still very much like a work in progress. And I I guess like getting away from Kobe World, I'll be a little bit more optimistic about the lanes merging, as you put it. But it's something that's like, all right, get through this. But if you were going to really do this, this is something that they should have started after Kobe.
0: Yeah, I I think you saying that it feels like gold class has been booked on the fly is a very good way to put it, because this is not the unit that was here in March. It's a completely different vibe. It's a completely different setting. And given the inclusion of Paros, given how strong Zebrats has been, arguably just given the lineage and what it's based off of, the inclusion of M3K the last thing Dragon Gate needed was another heel unit, and I am baffled as to why they have leaned into that direction with gold class rather than pushing them to, you know, the part that I really enjoyed early on was them eating high end lunch and just being a better babyface unit than high-end was. I don't know why we got away from that.
2: Yeah, and it's something that until you like brought, brought them up there, we have M3K, face-leaning tweener, but will be heels because they'll do the M2K act. We have Zebrats, true heels. We have Perro's. Who are heels when they're around, but Ada's in the weird, never will when they're not. And then you have Gold Class that seemingly to be more on the face side, but you don't let Kaido Ishida have a microphone because he's going to cut a heel from.
0: I have talked with people in Japan about this, and the, the big takeaway that I always see, especially whenever Gold Class is on the screen, is that there are three healing units in Dragon Gate for the first time ever. And it's, it's exactly what you just said it's Zebrats, it's Paris, and it's Gold Class. They are looked at as heels.
2: Yeah, and it, it's something that it colors things and it colors this three-way match that main event in Kyoto were. like it, It's something where, I guess, like wrapping up Kyoto thoughts, I looked at the show, I was like, this was a good two hours and 50 minutes of wrestling. And uh, and hitting that Minorita and uh, Benke vein right there and then having the fun semi-main event maybe colored it a little bit more for me, but it's something that now we are, approaching like next or or, sorry sunday is the go home for kobe world and you can't really say that that, like outright confidence and direction for the show
0: i'm just now thinking about this so i apologize that this is not fully fleshed out but the way they've positioned minora let's just say and i think we're both in agreement that at some point two weekends from now kai is going to wrestle Minora and yoshioka in singles matches for the dreamgate or at least that's the idea are you comfortable with those being the three participants of the dreamgate scene
2: yeah i so, cuz kondo is just unreal i
0: that that's what i think as well but they've put themselves in a position where if kai wrestles menorah first that is now strictly a heel versus heel dreamgate challenge on one of your two biggest shows of the year, I guess there's an alternative where Yoshioka wrestles Kai on the first night and wins and then defends against Benora. But God, doesn't that seem like a headache? Like the And, the, and doesn't that make Yoshioka look like an idiot? Yes. For, for picking – like
2: if you win the match on Sunday, no one should ever choose to have the first title shot because you have to have two title shots in two days.
0: And I, I, I am not invested in the story enough to give it the pass of, oh, he wants to be a fighting babyface champion. If the story was good, I would let it slide. The story's not good. I'm not going to let that slide. So yeah, you're put in this really awkward position. I I, I don't like, it makes me think that maybe Minora is not going to be involved and maybe they'll, they'll run Kai versus Kondo back and then do... Kai versus Yoshioka unless I don't know do you, do you do you see the conundrum that I've just now stumbled upon
2: yeah because I an assumption to be made is what's going to be selling out these shows to be quite honest and you have a lot for that first show whereas the second show you're going to want to have the uh, the real like what your direction is going forward so I don't want to say you burn that title match but condo in that slot there when it's yeah, it's Kobe World Hall, and he's someone who has done that before in the past. Makes sense, and then Yoshioka is able to win off of that. I mean, the the whole the whole fighting champion thing kind of falls flat when he just went through the largest King of gate field of all time. You know, like he's done enough to kind of do that for Yoshioka. So if he wins and picks the thirtieth, he just comes off like an absolute idiot. Uh, I
0: I guess I'm now at the point I've talked myself into uh, both the the objective view as somebody that tries to cover this company and the subjective view of somebody that really likes Coach Minora and cares about his future. I need him to lose in, in Kobe Sambo Hall. I, I think the yeah. route has to be Kai versus Kondo and then Kai versus Yoshioka because, look, I'm as bullish on Drangate's future as anybody. I love these young guys and I love the aggression in which these young guys have been pushed. But Yoshioka versus Minora for as much as I love both of them, is not a Kobe world match. At least, it may, maybe I'm wrong, and if you're if you're listening and you feel otherwise, please let me know. I would love to hear the argument against it, but that's just not where these guys are at right now.
2: Yeah, and before someone says 2008 Hulk and, uh, and Shingo, that that was supposed to be a three-way match come on we all we, we know the score there yeah no it, it becomes well, and, and, like, and it
0: leads to what i was talking about with the big six earlier which you know yeah th- that ultimately became a failed experiment
2: yeah so you you can't have those two guys in the main event there like can you of course you can is that like the, the expectations coming out of that and the idea for like just like coming out of the like, kobe world weekend and that's what you put on there it, it, it's something that, like, case you, you brought up, like, what happens if we get, like, the two four-and-a-half-star-plus matches, and, you know, we, we look back at, oh, Kobe World weekend, they had two great Dream Dreamgate matches with that. If you have Minora and Yoshioka there, it will—you you, you can't ignore that the fact that the build was bad because the matches were good, you know, because look at the main event there.
0: I, I mean, we'll ultimately—we'll remember 2021 Speedstar final in Kobe World. We'll remember that in a more positive light because— You know, Shun versus KZ was a top 10 match of the year for me that year. I think it was like number three, and Shun versus Yamato wasn't far off. And in the Voices of Wrestling match of the year poll, Shun versus Yamato actually did better than Shun versus KZ. So, you know, we had a lot of complaints leading up to World last year, but again, the match quality made it to where we'll forever distort our memories and be a little softer on that build. But I think there's so many more pitfalls with this year's build, there's so many more mistakes that can be made. I, you know, I, I I look at that Ultimo 35th anniversary show, which obviously that is going to be a big draw of it, but there needs to be a second thing there. And is your selling point going to be firmly established heel Kai versus firmly established Kota Minora with his sidekick who will be doing interference spots until he gets kicked out or run off by Zebrats in a clap crowd environment that can't be the draw like you at least get a, a bit of a legacy act with with condo headlining and you can do all the Torium on tie-ins that you need to in seven days mind you because we're going to be a week out from the show before we learn our main event which annoys me on an extreme level but condo is at, at least you have something to root for there minora versus kai are are two dead set heels. It's why it's partially why I'm so confused as to why they've leaned into Manora being a heel as much as they have. Because I think they've shot themselves in the foot here.
2: No, I I think you're absolutely right, and that it's just like even if the idea of oh, it's the first night, what really matters is what on the second night. Heal versus heel, just that's not how a Dragon Gate operates. That's just it's just something that for Kobe World Kenan Hall, I just look at that as just it just does not happen. But uh do you have any other uh, big thoughts for we, when we talk about Kobe World? We we've put something together this week.
0: Yeah, I'm grumpy now. I really I really don't like what's going on, but we have a fun topic to close on.
2: Yep, that's right. Uh we decided to rank our top 10 Kobe World pro wrestling festival matches since 2005. We because that's when it became Kobe World. We don't have any Anniversario matches on this list in case. it, It's really fun doing this kind of thing because it lets me go back through my notebooks. Like, I have every notebook since I started covering Dragon Gate right next to me as we're getting ready for that, and it's just kind of exciting.
0: Yeah, let's, uh, let's do what we do when we always go through lists. I'll have you start list your number 10, and I'll tell you if I have it ranked on my list or not, and uh, if not, you can discuss the match then.
2: Yeah, so... Uh, j- just as a preamble, uh, eight through ten on my list are four and a half stars. And then I will uh, tell you all adjustments as we're going after that. Had a lot of f- four and a half star matches at that building. Kind of like it's an important place. Mm. Uh, my number ten match comes from 2015. It is for the Open the Twin Gate titles. It is the Open the Twin Gate champion team of Yama-doi, uh, Yamato and Narukidoi defending against the Super High
0: Flyers of Ricochet
2: and Matt Seidel.
0: I do not have this match listed. It is a match that I have not seen since it aired. and It is a match that I would love to rewatch. Please give me your thoughts on it. it it's something like this was my
2: vanity pick here. I, it, it, it's something that, like, you had this match that happened after the 2014 that we talked about last year of Ricochet's 2014. And uh, you have Matt Seidel returning back to Dragon Gate for the first time in years, challenging, like, a a Doiyama team that like we we touch on but like living through doyama like it felt like like the biggest tag team of an area like two bond villains come out and going against at the time two of the most decorated foreigners in dragon gate history and you you would think that these four guys would go out there and have an exceptional match and dang it case they went out there and had a four and a half star match
0: I gave it 4 in my initial review but as I've discussed before the the Kobe World 2015 review is one of the worst things I've ever written that was at a point in time where the mindset over at voices of wrestling and this was right when I had joined this was like my third or fourth review was get the reviews up as soon as possible you know stay up late watch these Japanese shows live and published the reviews before anybody else. And I was in Kentucky that weekend and was uh, coming back from a trip to Kentucky and had stayed up, I think, for 23 hours straight by the time World 2015 had concluded. Um, So don't read my writing, but I gave that match four stars at the time. And like I said, I would love to rewatch it at some point.
2: So what was your number 10?
0: 2011 Kobe World, one of my favorite Gate shows of all time. One of the big reasons for that was the main event, Open the Dream Gate title match, BB Hulk versus Masaki Mochizuki.
2: Did not make my list.
0: This is is the start. I I start my list off with matches at four and three quarters. I will let you know when that changes, but this is one of my favorite Dream Gate matches of all time. It doesn't really feel like any other Dream Gate match. Because of the in-ring style and because of the stage that they're on, I think this is a match that would look and feel drastically different if it happened in Corrigan or if it happened in Osaka Number 2 or one of those smaller venues, but this match felt like a big venue, respected world title match of peak he will kick your head off bb hulk against masaki mochizuki at his at his very peak this is a special match to me lots of great submissions lots of hard-hitting kicks and a phenomenal finish in the end one of the best mochizuki defenses and one of the best title runs of all time
2: yeah and talking about like time and place here like deep in the heat of blood warriors and junction three at this time like this was like the big clash where like the year where the ramp was painted two different colors, one for Junction Three, one for Blood Warriors, and just like the the going all the way through Kobe World and then ending with like Masaki Mochizuki standing tall after the absolute war he had with BB Hulk. Just it felt like such a moment there that only happened at Kennen Hall.
0: I should note before you give your number nine, all of these are going to be on the Drangay Network. Some of the older shows are going to be clipped, which is a bummer, but at least for you know the main event matches, you should get most of them in full. But if you've never seen any of these, they are all available on the Drangay Network.
2: All right, my match number nine from 2013, speaking of Misaki Mochizuki, is Misaki Mochizuki versus Yamato in an absolute just blood war.
0: What a great pick. I don't have this listed. This is an all-time underrated match. It is one of those, the first time I saw it, it really put into perspective how good Mochi is. It, it's a special performance by him. It's a match that I love. Please give me your thoughts on it. It's like something that, like, with a Yamato,
2: and especially in this time period of Yamato, this is right before he turns heel, if my memory serves me right at this time. Well, when I was, like, going through this match, it's the, the sheer brutality and the, the the fact that Misaki Mochizuki understands where Yamato's at in his career and understands what this guy's been doing and just builds the match around that. And the best stuff that Yamato does is when he's being a bit of a roughhouse, like, MMA-style stuff. So you, you, you get to see this. And these two guys just have instant chemistry. And it, it's remarkable that this is their Kobe World match, you know, considering all the other, like, Strong matches a Yamato and Mochizuki had for the Dream Gate since then.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, it's really good stuff. Uh, my number nine, a match that I feel like you might have listed somewhere for the Open the Triangle Gate belts Kobe World 2007, New Hazards, BB Hulk, Cyber Kong, and Shingo Takagi versus Muscle Outlaws, Magnitude Kishiwada, Masada Yoshino, and Naruki Doi.
2: Yes, I have it much higher up on the list.
0: All right, well, we will, we will circle back to that. What about your number eight, Mike? My number eight, I'd be kind of surprised
2: if it's not on your list. I, I, I remember you being a big defender of this title reign and this uh, match in particular. From 2017, for the Open the Twin Gate titles, CK won Defend the Belts against the most famous team in Dragon Gate history, Speed Muscle, Doi Yoshi, Naruki Doi, and Masato Yoshino.
0: And this is your number eight, correct? Yes. This is my number eight as well.
2: Okay, so... It is something that, like, CK1, like, when we talk about, like, in the moment, in hindsight, nothing is, like, the biggest example of this in CK1. You know, like, in the time, it was like, oh, there was all these teams that CK1 could lose to, and then they go out and have a four-and-a-half-star match, and it would be some of the best work of both these guys' career. And then it happened yet again when you had Masato Yoshino and Naruki Doi back on the same page and challenging them there, and they just had, a, they just had, like, 20 minutes of absolutely beautiful tag team rest.
0: Look, in 2017, maybe on a podcast with this exact name, there was a lot of noise being talked about CK1 and how they needed to drop the belts. And and history will show I was not a part of that problem. This reign was outstanding. And it's so interesting looking back on this match where you have to remember, this is the summer of 2017. This is six months after we heard that Masato Yoshino might not wrestle again. And if he wrestles, it will be well into 2018 when he does. And instead, he's in the second match from the top at Kobe World six months after a spinal injury. And I think the thing that is really interesting to look at as we are five years removed from this is, Mike, this is realistically... Like, the last big match of Shima's Dragon Gate career. You know, after this, immediately starts the five-unit survival race, which is something that we'll do a retrospective on at some point. He's got a Twin Gate defense at Dangerous Gate against Big R, Shimizu, and Kotoka. He's got a Twin Gate defense at Gate of Destiny against Big Ben, uh, Ben K, and Big R, Shimizu. And then Dragon Kid gets hurt, so when they lose the belts to T-Hawk and Ata at Final Gate 2017... It's Shima and Sasumi Yokosuka, uh, a, a team that worked great against the Young Bucks, did not exactly work great against T Hawk and Aton that night. So we've now encapsulated the last truly great Shima Dragon match. He never hits these highs again. And it's a match that at the time I gave four and a half to. And upon rewatch uh, about a year or two ago, I, I bumped this up a quarter star because it is elite professional wrestling, it's tag team wrestling at its highest level. You know, obviously we look at Speed Muscle as one of the greatest teams of all time, and rightfully so. That CK one range should be compartmentalized as one of the single great tag team championship runs of all time. So this is a, a very special match in hindsight.
2: Yeah, the I i feel like that we could make a sub series of we'll eventually do an episode about
0: this (laughs) i I don't have i don't have a lot of free time i'm working like 10 or 11 hours a day and it really eats into my japanese wrestling journalism time and
2: i have to go like go pour through cork and attendance numbers (laughs) that no one else cares about have to or get to i mean it's that they're two sides of the same (laughs) coin when you really really get to it but we have to, so just talking about like the Twin Gate, like generations in a way, because CK1 coming right after Doyama, like you talk about a gold age, like that was a golden age of the Twin Gate division. And coincidentally, I'm looking at the title belts that show up on my list. Twin Gate shows up more than the Dream Gate on my list.
0: Oh, I mean, I, we talked about this last week, and I talked about this in my, my Cork and Hall review that the Twin Gate matches at Kobe World are as good as it gets.
2: Yeah, and from here, we are getting into my four-and-a-half-star categories. As we talk about Match 7, this is at Kobe World, and we're going to have to tackle this one way or another, Case. Shun Skywalker versus Yamato. I have this on my list. Should I? Does this count, even though it is not technically Kobe World?
0: I I will count it. I did not have it on my list, so you have the floor. Yeah,
2: uh, Shun Skywalker had one of the most beautiful 24-hour periods in pro wrestling history. I mean... Oh, we'll talk about Shun Skywalker and KZ in a bit but like following up that match with this a completely different style pace match like yamato like coming in fresher going like oh i saw the matches you had last night i am going to counter that i thought that it was something that really in a lot of ways was like the final exam for shun skywalker like going into like that kind of scenario and i know how frustrated we are about we were about yamato winning but in retrospect it made perfect sense with how the company works but it just was like the right way for Yamato to get that belt and Shin Skywalker closing out his reign right after having an insane match less than 24 hours before that
0: my number seven sticking on the twin gate theme Kobe world 2014 T-Hawk and Eita versus Akira Tozawa and Shingo Takagi
2: I have that one up higher
0: all right we'll talk about in just a minute what is your number six my number six is from 2005. It is for the
2: Open the Triangle Gate belt. It is a match where they would basically run it back less than a year later, but it would be to a much bigger audience. It is Do Fixer versus Blood Generation.
0: I have this match later, so let's circle back to it. All right, okay, So, what's your number six? BB Hulk of Akira Tozawa versus Naruki Doi and Ricochet from Kobe World 2013, completing a trifecta of Twin Gate matches.
2: That was my last cut. So go ahead.
0: I I talked about it at length a few weeks ago. Whenever we did that that history of uh twin game matches at Kobe World, this is one of the most athletic wrestling matches I've ever seen. I would say it's the most athletic, but I've got one on my list that I think uh, tops it just barely. It's Hulk when he could still move, Tozawa at, at his zenith, Ricochet before he got too big to truly blow people's minds and naruki doing a big tag team match and that is a winning combination 10 times out of 10 and this is one of those special matches it is you know i I think a website favorite of voicesofwrestling.com. more people seem to have fond memories of this match than just about any other dragon gate match over the last decade and rightfully so it's one that if you haven't seen you really need to carve out time carve out 25 minutes and give this a look and this
2: is Tozawa's last big heel performance in Dragon Gate.
0: Yeah, you think that's, about that's it. crazy to think about because, you know, he was around for another few years. But yeah, this was it because he, you know, this is in, in the middle of July, July 21st, and he is out of Mad Blanky 10 days later, August 1st.
2: Yeah, so like this is something that, yeah, you, you hit the nail on the head. Die Fly is a tag team that I talk about a lot. Naruki Doi and Ricochet, the two of them. It, it's something with like it, that... We know Ricochet is actually a really solid tag team wrestler, at least in this time period here. But you're talking about Naruki Doi, and I've already mentioned two of his famous tag teams, and he had this one also. <laughs> that was just incredible stuff. It didn't last for very long, but Die Fly on the Twingate Generations episode, we would have to take like a, a two minutes to talk about Die Fly. They were so cool. They worked well together.
0: You just have to sit back and think, God, you know, what if Doi and Ricochet just teamed for nine months on every show together, what what output would we have? Because it would be absurd. We have such a short uh, amount of time of those two as a, as a legit tag team, and if we would have had just a few more months, I think we would look at it as a high point in both men's careers.
2: Yeah, and it's something that I think in certain circles of the internet – um, uh, like, like there's the people in the know, understand NERC is always a tag team wrestler, but I feel like that for certain circles. So like, yeah, I know he's good, but is he Bobby Eaton? That's a third straight tag team that he would have be a, like exceptional in uh, with three completely different partners.
0: He's that, I look, I, you know, I, I talked about it last year when we did the greatest wrestler ever project. Once I decided that Doy was in my top 100, I realized, oh, he's not just in my top 100. He's, he's in the top 90. Oh, wait, maybe he's a top 80 guy. Can I squeeze Doi into my top 75? Like once you accept the level of pedigree that he's worked at, it really enlightens you on just how solid his entire career has been. This would
2: be like basically for the two of us, Alex Shelley and like four other people. But imagine if Nuruki Doi got one of those visas and decided.
0: Oh,
2: be- be- beautiful thing. It would be a dream. Speaking of the dream case, we're in the top five now. And my fifth match is for the Open the Dream Gate. It was the match that happened 24 hours before the previously spoken about uh, uh, Yamato versus Shun Skywalker match. The main event of Kobe World 2021, Shun Skywalker versus KZ. Just like some of the most insane car crash uh, wrestling that I think I've seen, but in a way that was absolutely beautiful in the way that dragon gates only able to pull off
0: we have the same number eight and i'm happy to report we have the same number five uh, you know I, I i thought they had a really special match at kobe world 2019 in that random undercard singles match that was clearly a showcase for both of those guys and to come back two years later in a in a, obviously a much bigger spot and to top their first match takes guts it takes brains it takes talent and we saw a really gutsy performance from both of those guys. And time after time, every big spot, they stuck the landing. It's a really special match, four and three quarters for me, and my fifth greatest Kobe World match of all time.
1: It's
2: just like, we really, and I know we give our flowers here in the present, really got to recognize the uh, 24 hours that Shun Skywalker had last year.
0: I, in we, general, he's he's yeah. so criminally underrated. I, I've I have said before, I just want people that get their wrestling news from Reddit to care about Shun Skywalker. (laughs) If I can make that happen, I've done my job.
2: Didn't they make Shun versus KZ free for everyone on YouTube?
0: It is. Well, everything from 2021 is free on YouTube. All those title matches. So, uh, yeah, Shun versus KZ and Shun versus Yamato. If you're someone who is
2: able to. Uh, have influence in booking things and if you are wondering about the shun skywalker guy that's gonna be around for 60 days check out that shun skywalker versus kz match and, and, and ask it's an english
0: commentary so yeah. no language barrier there yeah
2: yeah 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 check out the match and ask you if shun skywalker doesn't deserve to be on your card if not main eventing it uh moving to number four uh this is another twingate match this time it is the open the twin gate champion team of Shingo Takagi and Akira Tozawa versus T-Hawk and Ata from Kobe world Twenty Four.
0: This was my number seven, this monster express versus millennials feud that was largely based around Ata working the arm of Akira Tozawa and making him tap out time after time again was the first Dragon Gate feud that in real time, I really latched onto and really cared about the results of and this match is arguably bloated. There's a lot going on. It's a really long match, but I, I think it it carries the entire time. I enjoy the excess in it. You know, it, it is certainly a big match with Shingo and with T-Hawk and for some people that's going to be a detractor for me that is going to be a plus.
2: Yeah, and it's something that this is a match that takes you on a ride and it's something that I like my wrestling be able to do that and Shingo Takaki, yes, he has his formula, but him and Tazawa together, they worked, and it wasn't. It was a long title run for them there, but they didn't really team before or after that. Yeah, they were in Kamikaze together, but that was. It doesn't count. Really, yeah, that doesn't count. But like for the, this time period, like that's the thing about doing this top ten list. Cases, I'm discover. I'm remembering some Twin Gate teams, and that <laughs> yeah. makes me very happy. <laughs> that makes me exceptionally happy. But yeah, it, it it takes you some places. It is a ride. It is a roller coaster, and.
0: Finally, at the end, Ada fucking does it. My number four, a Dreamgate match, 2016 Shingo versus Yamato. You're higher on this match than I. Yeah, I think this is, uh, you know, it, this is the turning point where it took me about three years to love Gate as much as I did at the end of this match to, to love it again, but Oh my god, yeah. I mean, the build from Yamato turning face at Dead or Alive to him winning the title here, every step along the way was executed perfectly. And this is, you know, the, the, to me, the peak of Yamato's career. and one of the very best Shingo matches, which is, you know, a lengthy list of truly great matches. I think this is a, a near-the-top Dragon Gate and New Japan combined.
2: I guess it's for me, as I'm trying to, like, look through this case, I transcribed my... Kobe world stuff into a spreadsheet, so I need a second to make sure I have this right just like just so I could tell you where I was on it, but it, it it's something that I think for me in the moment when out when I was going through, I just kind of took a step back and I was like, oh, this is in a lot of ways the beat for beat thing that happened for uh BB Hulk and it, it like almost twelve months later. but the match itself I thought was excellent. I had it at four and a quarter. So it was just a shade below for me to make my cut.
0: It was at a, it was at four and three quarters from me. Finished in my top ten for 2016, which is a a loaded year in pro wrestling if you look back at it. But for me, it it hit all the right notes and it was uh, worthy of being a Kobe World main event.
2: So we're getting the top three now, right? Yes. My number three match is from 2010. It is a Lucha de Apuestas uh, Caballera contra Caballera Shingo takagi versus bb hulk not my favorite match of their feud but it is the best match that they ever had in kobe world cannon hall by good measure and just was in a lot of ways the peak of the feud and it was beautiful it was one of the more powerful apostas matches that they had in the company history
0: you'll work with someone long enough your opinions become completely irrelevant this was my number three as well I really thought this was going to be your number one, and now I have no idea where your list is going. I know you've got one match that I had earlier that we haven't talked about yet. I thought this would be your number one. This is my last four and three-quarter star match. Everything from here is five stars. It's Hulk versus Shingo. This is probably, this is, a you know, we, we've gone long, but let's do this sidebar really quick. Obviously, you have Blood Generation versus Do Fixer from Supercard of Honor. You have the four-way match from August 30th, 2003. Would you say this is the third most popular Dragon System match of all time in the Western eyes?
2: Oh, geez. Uh, that's a loaded question. Um,
0: the, the only one that I think would rival it is Shingo versus Mochizuki from 2015. But I think this has the edge. I think this match, given when it took place, the culture that surrounded it, the fact that it was, you know, within the era where Dragon Gate USA still mattered to some degree. It just passed the one year anniversary there, or one year anniversary was rather coming up. Um, I think this match has been passed around on enough message boards into the Twitter era that I think more people have seen this than Shingo versus Mochizuki.
2: I think that that's fair. I just think that, like, talking about, like, wrestling fans, a lot of wrestling fan interests I've seen that aren't people that dip in or dip out or tried and true, but the people that just, like, sample, I think that Dead or Alive matches actually go over more, that kind of thing.
0: Interesting. I would not have thought of those But I I can't argue that point. I I think there's, you know, Dead or Alive 2016 probably would be in that top five. I was going to make a top five. Obviously, Super Card of Honor, the four-way. I would say this, then Shingo versus Mochi, and then that 2016 Dead or Alive match.
2: Yeah, I just, like, know, like, my years on Something Awful and on message boards and Eve, like people like, will go like, oh, when's the uh, big, crazy Dragon Gate cage match? You know, like that is a thing that wrestling fans who aren't dialed in peek in for. So it might not be one of those matches. 2016 just seems like it would make sense. But maybe think about like the Ustream days. Maybe at that point, maybe one of those that are alive cage.
0: This is a very interesting question to me. The, the older heads that are listening, the people that have been around longer than me, I would love your input on what you think the the most seen dragon gate matches are to western fans because i i feel pretty confident that you know one a super card of honor untouched i think that four-way match is again that's number two uh, three through five is really interesting to me if you have thoughts on that either drop it in the discord yeah. hit me up on twitter that's that's a very interesting topic to me
2: yeah because like didn't not going completely sidebar as we're approaching the, the end of the second hour uh but I wouldn't be surprised because when when Gabe had up the DGUSA stuff, you put up like the like the Danielson versus Shingo match that couldn't get put up on pay per view. Like you put them up there sometimes.
0: Yeah, but I even think like like that match doesn't have the legacy that it should, and and there's no, a doesn't. lot of different reasons that that is true. But that's still something I see regularly as like, oh, Danielson wrestled Shingo. I didn't know that, and. Oh, it won match of the year that year? I didn't know that. It, it should have the legacy of Joe versus Kobashi, but it doesn't. And right. again, there's a lot of fingers that could be pointed there. I will reserve them for another time. But I don't think there's anything from Drang at USA given the distribution issues of Gargano versus Shingo. I think that could have been close, but that's not there. That's not a top five. And, no. you know... I guess, I mean, I I would buy an argument that you could just say open the historic gate as a whole is just one of the inclusions on the list. But to me, that's I I don't even know if I believe that. Yeah, no, it would be
2: hard to say DGUSA things that aren't on YouTube. That's why I brought that match. because I remember that match being on YouTube for a long
0: time. It was it was on the preview of what the WWE Roku channel was going to look like. (laughs) Um, Right. Uh, I don't know if that ever launched. Uh, yeah, uh, note that there was a WWN
2: Roku channel. It just was not very good. Oh, i had kidding. It. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, oh, I, Oh, yeah, yeah. Day one subscriber.
0: Uh, <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was your number three. We were on the same page there. Yeah, so uh, what's your no, number two? My number two from 2007 for the Open the Triangle Gate. Uh, New Hazard, Chingo Takagi, BB Hulk, and CyberConk. Versus the Muscle Outlaws team of Nuruki Toy, Masato Yoshino, and Mag.
0: Look, I did an entire podcast episode with John Carroll on the Wrestling Omakase show about this match, about how much I enjoy it. Uh, so I've said my piece on it. I would love to know your thoughts. This was, uh, for reference, my number nine.
2: Yeah, this is just, in my mind, one of the best uh, three-on-three Triangle Gate matches of all time. It's something that you take a you take where New Hazard was at that point, especially... Shingo and Hulk that were just two and three years in their business. Cyber Kong who was at that point less than 12 months I would say as a member of Dragon Gate family more so. And then you have Doi Yoshi at that time really starting to gel in 2007 and and what do I have to say about Ma- about the big boss Magma case other than we respect Magtu Keshwad in this household. Oh god and, love him. And, and in this match it was something that like you put them in these stakes here like I, I don't have the 2007 card but I think they this was a match that they what like broke the usual format when they placed it like they placed this match on the card to basically be like, "All right, guys, prove yourselves and they went out there and they had the best trial gate match in kobe world history in my mind
0: it it is uh it is second from the top. the matches that preceded. Uh, open the Brave Gate match, Kanda versus Horaguchi with Kness as the special guest referee, a war tag team title match with uh, Saito and Susumu versus Gato and Jado, and Koji Kanemoto versus Masaki Motuzuki directly before it.
2: Yeah, so you're, you're putting these guys into this position and think about this in the uh, scope of things here case. 2007, they're already being put this high up on the card, preparing Hulk and takagi because they will break up very soon after this and then that would break into the whole real hazard and then russell and then world one and all this is happening not very far after this point with them and less than 12 months after this fact these two guys are main event in kobe world was not the plan but that's where they went
0: my number two is either going to be your number one or i really have no idea what's going to be at top of your list kobe world 2011 shima and ricochet versus dragon kid and Pac.
2: that's my number one
0: okay all right stars all right yeah for me it is a five-star match as well uh i I, let, let me go first i'll kick it to you and then i'll give my number one after that it's the most athletic match i've ever seen it's a perfect tag team match they do stuff that hasn't been done before or since it is just perfect for what it is
2: you have three absolutes freaks of nature and body control and someone who greatly appreciates freaks of nature and body control. <laughs> yeah, That's
0: just such a good way to describe it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I mean,
2: we, we, we've talked time time again, Case, about the 2011 feud between Ricochet and Pac, and really, like, this this big moments with Spike Mohicans versus uh, PK1 was such a just insane match. It breaks the scale time, and it's something that was a match at such a level that because of this and even though a little bit of it was happening in huge usa at this time but then after this match like gabe was getting the tapes here after you see this match you go like oh we need to have ricochet and pack everywhere now and dragon kid held up his end of the deal considering the other two guys that he was doing flips again
0: it's a perfect match i i love it to death i try to watch it once a year because it it brings a smile to my face as does my number one match. Now, before I give this, Mike, do you want to give your, your 10 through one one more time just to remind people what it is?
2: All right, so 10 through one. Uh, number 10, 2015, Doi Yoshi versus Super High Flyers. That is Noruki Doi. I'm sorry, it was Yamadoi. It was Yamadoi versus Super High Flyers. Number nine was Misaki Mochizuki and Yamato from 2013. Number eight was CK1 versus Doi Yoshi from 2017. Number seven was the Open the Dream Gate Championship match from Speed Star Final, Shun Skywalker and Yamato. Number six was 2005, Do Fixer versus Blood Generation. Uh, number five was for the Open the Dream Gate from 2001, Shun Skywalker versus KZ. Number four was uh, was T and E versus Takagi and Tozawa from 2014, 2010 was Shingo Takagi versus BB Hulk and the Lucha de Puesos match 2007 new hazard versus uh, muscle outlaws and my number one match in kobe world histories from 2011 is for the open the twin gate titles dragon kid and pack versus shima and rick
0: my number 10 bb hulk versus masaki mochizuki from world 2011 number nine new hazard versus muscle outlaws from 2007 number eight speed muscle versus ck1 from 2017 Number 7 Tiwak and Eita versus Tozawa and Shingo from World 2014. Number six, Akira Tozawa and BB Hulk versus Dorian Ricochet from 2013. Number five, KZ versus Shun Skywalker from 2021. Number four, Shingo versus Yamada from 2016. Number three, Hulk versus Shingo from 2010. Number two, Shima and Ricochet versus Dragon Kid and Pac from 2011. And my number one match in Kobe World history is... My second favorite Dragon Gate match of all time. It is Blood Generation versus Do Fixer. Kobe World 2005 for the Open the Triangle Gate titles. The magical combination of Shima, Don Fuji, and Naruki Doi versus Dragon Kid, Genki Horiguchi, and Ryo Saito.
2: It's just something that when the Triangle Gate matches were hitting at that time period, it was just phenomenal. Phenomenal stuff.
0: You know we we were on the forefront of talking about how Dragon Gate has evolved and how, you know, not only are the names different than, than what you once knew, but the in-ring style is not, you know, Yoshima, Yoshino, Doi, Dragon Gate. And I'm okay with that. I love the direction of the company. But if they just continued to run matches like this for two decades straight, I also would have been okay with that. Because to me... This is the highest form of pro wrestling. A main event level six-man tag like this. It is just the best. And these were the six guys to do it in the right environment, in the right units. It is perfect pro wrestling. I wouldn't change a thing about it. And it is my top match in Kobe World history.
2: Well, Case, there's one more thing at Kobe World we have not touched on this week.
0: Oh, God.
2: And what a note for us to go out on on instagram i have not seen his crossover anywhere else than instagram ultimo dragon while he's on the uh, the shores of the mediterranean has formally asked for kiji Muto to appear at his 35th anniversary show i have not seen anything other than his video of which he's like panning and showing the med going like i think it was in like, the isle of going like this is where i am right now
0: hey uh great muda come to my anniversary show I don't. Ha- I don't have any thoughts on this. This sucks. I don't. I don't <laughs> like this. I, I, I. They let Ultimo think that clap crowds were done. What? And now he's got to book a shitty promotion because of it. What did we do? I didn't call the uh, cops.
2: I, I. I mean, maybe we should time travel back to 2019 and say, hey. Everything's going to go great here, but Ultimo's going to be doing some weird stuff down the line. So buckle in, because get ready for Heel Del Santo and Great Muto. They're probably going to be in the same match case. Kichi Muto and Heel Del Santo.
0: I, You know, at this stage of my life, I'm not the most religious man, but I will pray for whoever they wrestle against, because they are going to be in trouble.
2: It's going to be so beast, I can't wait for it. Can <laughs> you
0: imagine your, your squaring off gets Ultimo, Santo, and and, and Keiji Muto, and you're like so i was thinking i would do this and it is immediately met with rejection and no i actually think you're gonna be taking a lot of my offense i, I don't think
2: you even go fourth for them i think you kind of you you get that draw you know what night you're in you, you don't even have, offer the question you're just like ra right, is gonna be lob my straw a taupe or shining wizard which way is it gonna go this week
0: yeah just put me down easy
2: yeah yeah <laughs> put me down easy brother but who knows uh and uh, it was just kind of a funny note. I wasn't planning on even talking about this case, so you put that on the, the run list for this week, man.
0: Are there... So, you know, Shingo was obviously a big KG Muto guy. Uh, Muto wrestled on his 2017 homecoming show, which is on the Drangate Network. The, but are, they are also
2: from the same home.
0: Yeah. Uh, do we know if there's another, like, big Muto head in Drangate? I can't think of one, but you might know. Uh,
2: phew i i think it's safe to say probably don fuji
0: I, I was just about to say that too yeah yeah i mean safe <laughs> to
2: say like the fad i mean but it's also kiji F- muto
0: fuji's got a comp tape of his young boy work in his house like he's like ah oh, 1985 new japan <laughs> exactly <laughs> what i want to come home to <laughs>
2: yeah no for sure uh yeah I, I i mean i'll say this case at least of my read of the scenario we'll probably sell more tickets than hio del
0: santo yeah you really you you really don't believe that santo is moving anything i think it's just something someone wanted to have for
2: his 35th anniversary get a good payday maybe if there's a santo dragon gate shirt
0: then i'll be proud
2: you know Yo, if, make there's some money. Sa- if
0: there's a santo dragon gate shirt let me calculate some shipping and handling rates
2: yeah 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 we're going to have that conversation off air about that package we're going to get because we're we'll we'll go matching into all
0: out (laughs) with our cool matching japanese (laughs) t-shirts that's right that's right all
2: right buddy uh we're up against it anything else you want help for we're out of here Uh, no i got nothing well that's gonna do it okay next week is kobe world week and we have a uh we have a special episode coming in this next week a special guest perhaps Special guest, perhaps, and I would keep your eyes peeled to the podcast feed for it, but that's going to do it for this week. You can follow us on Twitter at Open Voice Gate. I'm at Fujiheya, cases at underscore in your case. That's going to do it for Open the Voice Gate. We'll be back with you next time with a special guest talking about Kobe World Season. Take care, everyone.